Are you grateful that Jesus is alive? You know, this isn't a funeral service, it's a celebration service. We celebrate the fact that he's alive and he is real. I'm so grateful that God is real and he wants to make himself known to you today. And maybe you're not sure if God really exists and you're not sure that God really cares about you. It's my prayer today that you will realize that God is real and he wants to make a difference in your life. Wherever you are here at the Woodlands or Atascacita or worshiping with us online or through our broadcast ministry, we want you to know God is real. That's why Woodlands Church is here, to show that God is real. Not only is he real and powerful and beyond our comprehension, he also cares about us. And that's why he came to this earth, wrapped himself in human flesh so we could see what God is like, so he could communicate with us that he cares. And that's my second prayer today, that you will see how much God cares about you, that he will speak to your heart, that he will draw you close to himself because he knows about every detail of your life. He cares about every single thing you're going through. So let's pray to him today. Dear God, we thank you that you are alive, that you're real, and you want to make a real difference in our lives. And Lord, you're really our only hope because in this broken and messed up world, it's all kinds of craziness that's going on. But Lord God, you're solid and you never change. And you're certain in our uncertain world and we can count on you. And so Lord, today I just pray that you would make yourself known to everyone within the sound of my voice, that they would just experience you today. Not religion, not a bunch of rules and rituals and regulations, but you, Jesus. And we thank you that we can have a relationship with you and that you love us and care about us. So I just pray that you would meet us at our deepest point of need today and you would come right in and bring healing and strength and show us how powerful you are today. For it's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. You can be seated. I recently came across this list that was actually written by kids in Sunday school classes after the teachers asked them to write down what the Bible lesson was about, just to make sure the kids had learned something. And this may be a little discouraging for those of you who are Sunday school teachers in our children's ministry, but just, just hang on. This kid said, the people who followed Jesus were called the 12 decibels. <laughs> Maybe the disciples whispered, I, I don't know. This one said, Jesus taught the golden rule which says, do one to others before they do one to you. I feel like that sometimes, you know. This one says, Moses went up to Mount Sinai to get the Ten Amendments. I don't know what to say about that, but I like this one. Paul preached that a Christian should have only one wife. This is called monotony. Maybe he meant monogamy, but I don't know, you know. Well, we're in this series on the power of honor, is honor is the key to unlocking all the blessings of God in our lives. And dishonor blocks the blessings that God wants to give you because God wants to bless you. And it all starts with honoring God. But honor is also the foundation for a strong marriage. Honor is the secret to lasting relationships. And honor is the glue that holds societies together. And we said last week that the Hebrew word for honor is kabod, and it literally means weight or heaviness. 
So we honor someone when we give them the weight, importance, and value that they deserve. We honor someone when we place great importance on them through our actions and through our words. The Bible says in the fifth of the Ten Commandments that children should honor their parents. And this is really important. It's the only commandment with a promise that things will go well with you. You'll live a significant life that makes a difference. It's a really important commandment, and we'll talk about that at a later time. But I want to flip the script today because the Bible also tells us that parents can honor their children by the way they parent. Parents can also dishonor their children by the way they parent. So this weekend, we're going to talk about parenting with honor. And if you're a parent raising kids in our crazy culture, this is going to be so encouraging to you. But if you're not a parent, a lot of these principles apply to all relationships. And God wants all of us to learn these principles because we're all called to impact the lives of children and teenagers because they carry the hope for the future. And there is no perfect parent but God. And even he has rebellious kids. Chris and I have some experience in parenting. We have four grown children, but we're no experts. We made a lot of mistakes. But we also knew that we could look to the perfect parent and his word to guide us and give us wisdom and strength through everything, through the ups and downs. So my goal today is just to give you encouragement because parenting is filled with ups and downs, great highs and great lows. I remember taking our family to a theme park when my kids were in grade school and we were walking down the boardwalk with all those games where they lure you in with the big stuffed animals on the wall and this huge stuffed pig grabbed my daughter Megan's attention. She was about 12 at the time, and she said, Daddy, can you win me that pig, please? And it was one of those games where you throw the softball into the milk can, and the hole in the top of the milk can was the same size as the softball. And so I said, honey, no one ever really wins these. Don't you know, no one ever really wins these giant stuffed animals. There's no way you can win at this game. But she said, please try, Daddy. So I said, okay, I'll give it a try. I plopped my three bucks down. I took the softball. I tossed it up into the air, and boom, it went right into the milk can. I couldn't believe it. How did this happen? And I felt so good as the guy pulls down the biggest stuffed pig you've ever seen in your life and hands it to Megan, and there she is hugging the pig and then hugging me, saying, you're the best dad in the world. Thank you so much, Daddy. I mean, it just felt so great. And then a crowd started to gather, and they were saying, hey, a dude won that pig. A dude finally won the pig. And I'm going, yeah, that dude is me. And that's my daughter right there. I won it for my daughter. And they were asking me, how did you do that? And I go, well, it was just luck. And I threw it a little differently than most people do. I did this underhanded <laughs> flick of the wrist. I mean, most people, when they do it, they just toss it up, you know, and you're going to miss every time if you do that. But if you'll take it like this and you'll just flick the wrist underhanded, you get just the right spin. And that, it was just luck, just luck. And then my son Stephen comes up. He was about nine at the time, and he says, Dad, win me a pig. I mean, how does Megan get a pig? Why does she get a pig? And I said, sure, kid. I'll win you a pig. No big deal. Just 
three bucks and I'm gonna win you a pig. Does anyone else need a pig? Just bring me three bucks, I'll win you a pig. I'm feeling so confident. But Chris knew exactly where this was going. And she said, honey, you need to quit where you're ahead. I said, don't worry about it. I'm just gonna win Stephen a pig. And I'll win Josh a pig, I'll win Ryan a pig. Do you want a pig? I mean, I'm, I'm here. So I put down my three bucks, confidently took the softball and used my flick of the wrist, proven method, and it was an air ball. It didn't even hit the milk can, which really surprised me. But undeterred, I put another three bucks down, threw it up again, and this time I barely missed. I mean, it looked like it was going in. But $24 later, I still hadn't won a second pig. And my wife was dragging me away as I was going, just one more chance, just one more chance, I'm so close. And she said, babe, you can never go to Vegas, you would definitely be a gambling addict. But isn't that a perfect picture of parenting? There are times when you feel like you're on top of the world and you feel so connected to your kids. You just love them so much and they love you so much and it's amazing. And then there are times you feel totally at a loss. There are times when you feel completely clueless, you shoot an air ball and you feel like a complete failure as a parent. You have no idea what to do to connect with your kids or how to solve a problem and you feel so distant. You feel like you'll never get this down. Well, you can never parent with perfection. We all make mistakes. There's only one perfect parent, God. But let's look at how he honored children. So I want you to open your Bibles to Mark chapter 10 or just follow along with us. Would you stand in honor of God's word? Look at how Jesus honored children. Once when some mothers were bringing their children to Jesus to bless them, the disciples shooed them away, telling them not to bother him. But when Jesus saw what was happening, he was very much displeased. You don't want Jesus to be very much displeased with you. But he was with his disciples and he said to them, let the children come to me for the kingdom of God belongs to such as they. Don't send them away. I tell you as seriously as I know how that anyone who refuses to come to God as a little child will never be allowed into his kingdom. Then he took the children into his arms placed his hands on their heads, and he blessed them. You can be seated. Some moms were trying to bring their children to Jesus so that he could bless them, and that was a a real powerful thing in the Old Testament is dads would always bless their kids. Abraham blessed Isaac. Isaac blessed Jacob, who he thought was Esau at the time, but that blessing was really important and powerful, and it still is today. And so what these dads would do in the Old Testament, they would take their hands and place them on the ears of their child, and not to box their ears, but just to hold their head in a loving way, and then they would speak a positive, powerful future into their lives, to say, God has a great purpose for you. It's really important to do that today, dads. And so these moms were bringing their kids to Jesus because they wanted Jesus to speak a blessing into their life. But the disciples stopped them at the gate and said, what are you doing bringing your children to Jesus? Who do you think you guys are? He doesn't have time for your kids. He's important. He meets with important people. He's doing important things. And 
your kids? He doesn't have time for that. And Jesus realized what was happening, and he let the disciples have it. He said, don't you dare treat these children as if they have no importance and value and weight. He said, I honor them and I value them. And I'll tell you, unless you come to me with the humility of a child and trust me to hold you and to save you and take you to heaven one day, you'll never get there. So I want us to look at what Jesus did and what his word says on how to parent with honor because Jesus always gave great weight and value to children And in that day, no one else really did. The first thing that you do is you honor them with your affection. They need your hugs and high fives. Jesus understood how important it was for a child to receive affection. In Mark 10, 16, it says, then he took the children into his arms and placed his hands on their heads and he blessed them. I love just picturing that, the God of the universe getting down on his knees and just grabbing those kids and hugging them and laughing with them. And it's interesting that those kids weren't afraid of Jesus. They just ran right up to him and he just hugged them and blessed them. They weren't afraid of Jesus. And by the way, that's one of the reasons why Christ came at Christmas as a baby, because no one's afraid of a baby. And he didn't want you to be afraid of him. He wants you to have a relationship with him. That's why he came to this earth. And he wants us to fear God in that Hebrew way that we're to fear God, which means to place total honor upon him and put him first in your life, to put that awe upon him that he deserves. But he wants to have that personal relationship. And those kids, they weren't afraid of him. Why? Because he didn't act important, even though he was the God of the universe. He put the importance on them. And he laughed with them and played with them and held them. And they loved Jesus. They may not have known that he was the God of the universe. Didn't matter because they they loved this guy. And he placed honor on them, I'm sure, as they grew up and they looked back on it. They knew what God was like. Well, we all need affection. UCLA did a study where they found that just for emotional, mental, and physical health, men and women need eight to 10 meaningful touches a day. In that same study, they found that wives who hug their husbands every morning before they both go into their day, they actually increase their husband's lifespan by two years. And some of you husbands are probably thinking, well, I guess I'll beat my wife to heaven by a couple of years the way it's going right now. And some of your wives are going, I'll see you in heaven two years later. It's no big deal. I'm praying for you. We all need affection and your children need bear hugs. For those of you with teenagers, they need hugs. Even though they will cringe and try to escape, they need your hugs, whether they realize it or not. They really need you to put your arm around them and tell them that you love them, that you're proud of them. But even in the most loving and caring homes, most parents stop hugging their kids or they really hug them so much less when they reach the grade school years. And when you stop hugging your kids, you stop giving them the honor and acceptance they really need, that God created them to need. One time our family was at Disney when our youngest was in preschool, and when he saw his favorite character, Winnie the Pooh, he couldn't believe, wow, there he is, the actual Winnie the Pooh that I love and watch, and he ran up and gave him a big hug, and next thing I knew, our older kids were hugging Winnie the Pooh. 
smiling and just loving it. So I wanted in, and I came up, and I hugged Winnie the Pooh. Then Winnie the Pooh hugged Chris, and he kept hugging Chris. <laughs> That's when I realized Pooh Bear is just a teenage boy in a bear suit, okay? <laughs> I got caught up in the excitement there for a minute. And then I realized I almost had to take out Winnie the Pooh. Your pastor almost body slammed Winnie the Pooh. It would have gotten ugly right there. But that shows you how much we need hugs. We'll hug a guy in a bear suit. Makes us feel good. And parents of teenagers, you need to hug them today. You need to hug them today. They're gonna cringe. I like seeing that. They're gonna cringe. They're gonna try to escape. But they need your hugs. They need you to say, I love you. I'm proud of you. You honor them with affection. Then you honor them with your words. Look what this says in Proverbs 18, 21. The tongue has the power of life and death, and those who love it will eat its fruit. You see, parents, you need to understand how powerful your words are, because if you understand that, then you will eat its fruit, and what that means is you'll use it powerfully in your kids' lives because you love them. You see, words can build up or tear down. A feeling of love is worthless unless you express it through a touch, a word, or an action because love is not a feeling. The Bible teaches this real clearly. Love is not a feeling, it's a, a word, a touch, an action. That's when it becomes love. It doesn't matter how much you feel love for your kids, it's are you expressing love? I read a story about a teenager who had a very obvious birthmark over much of his face, and it just never seemed to bother him. He was one of the most confident and outgoing kids in his high school. And one day a teacher who really liked and admired him asked him if his birthmark had ever bothered him. And the young man said, when I was a really little kid, my dad told me I had the birthmark for two reasons. He said, first, that was where an angel kissed me. And then he said, secondly, the angel kissed me so my dad could always find me in a crowd. And he said, my father told me this so many times that I actually began to feel sorry for the other kids who didn't get a kiss from an angel. <laughs> I mean, the words are powerful. Early on and continuing on, I saw a study that showed 85% of all third graders had a strong self-esteem. But when they did the same test at the beginning of junior high, the figure dropped to 65%. And when they tested the graduating seniors in high school, it dropped only 5% of them had a strong self-esteem. Our society tears down our kids. That's why it's important that parents build them up. That's why it's important that we have such a great children's and preschool and student ministry at Woodland Church, that we put so much emphasis and resources in because our kids need to be built up. That's what God intends. That honors them. And look at John 114. This is talking about Jesus. The word became human and lived among us. God wanted us to know how much he loved us so much that he left his perfect world of heaven and came down to our broken world so that we could see what God is like and so he could communicate with us so we could understand him. And parents, to love your kids the way they need to be loved, you have to get into their world. You gotta get down into their world. You gotta get a little nosy and find out what's going on. You gotta listen to them. You gotta ask them questions. And if you have boys, 
and you ask the question, how'd your day go? They're gonna say, good. So you gotta ask another question. What does good mean, you know? You gotta get real specific and just keep going at it. You gotta get into their world. If you, wanna re- if you want them to really hear you and not tune you out, you have to get into their, their world. But a lot of parents expect their kids to come into their world. They want their kids to do the things they like that they want to do, their hobbies, their sports, and they want their kids to come into their world. They say if they wanna be close to me, they need to come into my world, but that's not happening. It doesn't work that way. And some parents are still in their own world and they don't get down into their kid's world. They're still hanging out with their buddies more than they are in their kid's world. They're more into their hobbies and their things and when you become a parent, you leave your self-centered world behind. It's over. And there's no such thing as quality time. All time's quality time. And you will never be able to honor your kids with just quality time. You have to honor them with quantity time. A lot of quality time. That's the only way. You gotta get into their world. I remember so many concerts that I went to that I don't know how I made it through, to be honest. (laughs) Music festivals where it felt like I was in the middle of the apocalypse. (laughs) And it was only breathing in the secondhand pot smoke that just helped me get through. I I don't know. I look back and I think, must have been that, because I don't know how I made it through. But I was into their world. You gotta get into their world because they're not coming to your world, especially when they're teenagers. If you want them to listen to you at all, you gotta be in their world. And there's only a few short years that they will follow you around. And for the rest of your life, you will be following them. I mean, there's only a few short years. They start driving and you'll wonder, didn't we have a kid? I don't know where they are. I haven't seen them for two years. You know, it's like once they start driving and hanging out with their friends, I mean, you just have a few short years to be into that world so they'll want you to stay in their world somewhat. And so it's not about a feeling. It's about really giving them the affection, words, and quantity time. And then you honor them with loving discipline. This is really important. Proverbs 13, 24 says, if you refuse to discipline your son, it proves you don't love him. For if you love him, you'll be prompt to punish him. It's honoring to provide loving boundaries and to discipline your children. It's dishonoring and unloving when you fail to discipline and correct your kids. Because insecure children will push against those boundaries just to see if they exist. And when they find that they do, they feel secure. Kids will push against your rules whether they're one or 17. And once they do and you don't give in, it makes them feel secure. It builds their self-worth. Now, your 17-year-old is never gonna come up to you and say, thanks, mom and dad, for telling me no. I really wanted to do that thing, but you told me no, and it makes me feel so secure that you didn't give in. It builds my self-worth that I pushed against those boundaries, but you did a great job. (laughs) You stuck to your guns. You didn't give in. Now I know I'm secure. That will never happen. 
That'll never happen. But I talk to parents who say, well, I laid out my rules, but my teenager hates them and is rebelling against them. What's wrong? And I'm going, really? Now, that's a surprise. They hate them. They're rebelling against them. Man, you are so unique. I've never heard that. I think a lot of parents today are trying to be their kid's best friend. Maybe the parent is reliving their high school days or something. I don't know, but your kids have enough friends. They need a parent, and you're their parent. You're not their best friend right now, and you've got to honor them by being their parent. Hey, it's no fun to have your kid hate you for a while, but if you want a chance of being their best friend when they're grown, you have to love them enough to let them hate you for a while because inconsistent parents produce insecure children. And so I want us to look at three things that dishonor kids in this area. And the first is indulgence. Indulgence is dishonoring. In Hebrews 12, six, it says, the Lord disciplines those he loves. So God disciplines those that he loves because they're his kids. And whenever I go the wrong direction and I hit something that's so painful in my life, God allows that because he loves me, because he knows if he doesn't bring that pain into my life, I'll keep going down that path and it leads to destruction, but he loves me too much to let me go down that path and do what I want when he knows that's a bad path. And so that pain protects me. And he disciplines me because I'm his child. And whenever God disciplines you, whenever you run into pain, when you're taking a wrong turn, or whenever you experience God's discipline, be encouraged. That means you're a child of God, because if you never received God's discipline, then you need to reconsider whether or not you are a child of God, because he disciplines his kids. And whenever you indulge your kids by never telling them no and thinking that it's your job to be there to meet their every need and whim, eventually they feel totally unloved. You may love them so much, but it's unintended consequences when you don't follow God's word. Because when you do everything for them, it teaches them that you don't believe in them, that they can't do anything. And I've seen it over and over again. Parents many times think their whole role is just to be there, to do all these things for their kids, and that's not it at all. And by the way, a lot of families have the roles really reversed. The kids are the CEO you know, of the family, and they kind of dictate everything. And I'm telling you, if you don't watch out, when they're two years old, they'll take over. I mean, and it's done. You'll be just going, what do I do, boss, you know? But God planned it this way. The Bible is real clear, God first, and if you're married, then your marriage comes second. Then the third priority is your kids. Then your career, your work. And so that's God's priority, and if you flip it around where you're just doing everything for the kids, you're running around, doing whatever the kids wanna do, making sure kids have everything, and you're not working on your marriage, that's so dishonoring because the number one thing they need is to see a strong, godly marriage. They need to see, you know, you, parents, putting a priority on your marriage. But then the second thing that I wanna talk about is overprotection. Overprotection is dishonoring. One of the most important jobs of a parent is to work yourself out of a job. Your job is to work yourself out of a job. 
And you do that by teaching responsibility as they grow. As a baby, they have no responsibility. They can't do anything for themselves. So you do everything for them. But the goal is by the time they're 18 and ready to leave home and be on their own, then they have the maturity they need. Now they'll keep growing in maturity. They'll have tough times that teach them a lot. But when you always rescue your kids and overprotect them, it keeps them from maturing. It stunts their character and maturity. Overprotection is a form of rejection. And many parents who really love their kids overprotect them and they never wanna let them fail. They're always coming in and rescuing them. And what that says is I believe you're incompetent. That's what it tells them. That may not be your intention, but when you don't follow God's word, there's unintended consequences. You may feel like I need to rescue them, I need to rescue them. But what you're saying is, and they will hear it loud and clearly over time, you're incompetent, and they will believe it. Well, another thing that's destructive and dishonoring to kids is rules without relationships. And maybe you grew up in a home where it was really strict, where your parents laid down the law and they stuck to the rules, which is good, but they didn't really connect with you in warmth and love. They disciplined, but they were distant. And the Bible has a lot to say about that. In Ephesians 6, 4, it says, and now a word to you parents, don't keep on scolding and nagging your children, making them angry and resentful. Rather, bring them up with the loving discipline the Lord himself approves. Focus on those two words, loving discipline. The Bible says you need to love and discipline. And the two are all meshed together. It's loving to discipline, but if you discipline without any warmth, without fun, in your family, without connection and care, then it always backfires. If it's always just rules and discipline and no love, fun, and connection, your kids will get resentful. I can assure you they will rebel. If not in your home, when they go out on their own, they're like, not doing that. They need to feel that connection with you. So you honor them with affection, you honor them with your words, you honor them with loving discipline. And by the way, I know that just barely got into discipline and you probably have 100 questions and so we're gonna have some seminars and some teaching here at the church on, uh, on disciplining your kids, also protecting your kids in the right way from the internet and all these things that they have to face today. And, and I, I admit when, when our kids were going into junior high and all, I mean, we were way behind with technology. We always wanted to know what our kids were doing, but I mean, technology and all the things that are coming against them, we, we were just overwhelmed with it and needed a lot of instruction and going to God's word and going to others, experts and teachers, and so we're gonna be doing that in the coming weeks, so look for that. But there's a fourth thing that we have to do, and that's honor them by leading them to Jesus. You can do the other three, and it'll produce great results. The Bible says it, and it, it really will. But if you don't do the fourth one, then there's no eternal results. This is so important, to lead your kids and point them to Christ. Now, you can do all these things right. I know that, and your kids still have a choice. I, I mean, I know parents who have done everything amazing and love Jesus with all their heart and really put the values into their kids and then their kids, their, their 20s, 30s, 40s have just rejected God and, and, and have just rebelled. 
Don't ever give up on them, by the way. Keep praying, keep praying. And so I'm not saying that, you know, you do everything right and everything's gonna work out because first you can't do everything right, but I know parents who've done a lot better job than I have following God's word on these things. And, and sometimes, you know, the kid always has their own choice, the Bible teaches us. But I'm telling you, the most important thing you could ever do is do whatever you can to lead your kids to Christ. You know, some parents say, well, you know, when it comes to spiritual things, I'm just gonna let them decide. There's a theological word for that, dumb. That is so dumb. That's so, in junior high, I'm just gonna let them decide, you know, when they go out, what they do, if they wanna do their homework, I'm just gonna let them decide. The most important area is that spiritual area. No, you point them to Christ because he is the answer. He's gonna save them so much pain in life if they come to Jesus Christ, and so you point them to Christ. And that's why church is so important, to make sure church is a priority. Instead of being off for a couple of years from church because you're doing ball with them, they're probably not gonna be in the major leagues. But they'll stand before God one day. It's so important to make sure that you put God as your number one priority. And I wanna tell you, people ask us, how'd your kids turn out the way they did? Oh, you almost have been great parents. And I always say, well, it was God's mercy, which is true, and, and their mom was amazing. But I'll tell you the biggest key, one of the biggest keys is our student pastors and student ministry. You see, there comes a time when they're teenagers that they won't tell you about their struggles. They won't tell you about things going on in their life, but our kids always had a student pastor. One of our volunteers or student pastors in our student ministry that they could talk to that would give them good advice. They would listen, give them good advice, point them to God's word, encourage them. We were so thankful for our student pastors and our student ministry. You see, your kids need some friends that are going the right direction. They don't have it all together, they're going the right direction. And we've got like a 1,000 students here at Woodland Church who are learning how to stand strong against peer pressure. And they've got others around them to help them get through this crazy culture that they're living in. So it's so important to make church a priority it really comes down to making sure God's first place in your life, parents, because if God's first place in your life, they're gonna see it. Not in your words, but in your life. In Deuteronomy 6, 7, they're talking about God's word and living it out, and it says, you must teach them to your children and talk about them when you're at home or out for a walk at bedtime and the first thing in the morning. He's saying just make sure God's just a big part of your life. You're saying, hey, how's it going? Can I pray with you about something? You know, at night before they go to bed, you know, when they're kids and as they're growing up as teenagers and they see you really making church a priority and they see you having your Bible out and spending some time with God or, or doing that online and they see that, wow, this is real. And, and they see you giving to God and they know, yes, we give our tithe, we put God first in our finances. That's so important so they can see that God is real. Values are more caught than they are taught. And many times our children follow in the footsteps we think we've covered up, but no, they know. They know if God is real in your life or not. It doesn't matter what you say. In Proverbs 3, 9, it says, honor the Lord by giving him the first part of all your income, and he will fill your barns with wheat and barley and overflow your wine vats with the finest wines. 
saying, hey, one way to honor God is in your finances. You honor God with your time, you know, in your schedule, your finances, in your relationships. That's where your kids see it the most. That's where they see it. You know, they know when you honor God by giving them the first 10%, that tithe. I mean, this is serious. This is real. They know and they see God bless and work in your life and take care of your needs. They know it's real. And you pray for them and say, hey, what's going on? Well, pray for me in the game today. Pray for me. I got this test. Hey, God, just help them in this test today. I mean, they see that it's real. And then that God comes through and they're like, wow. It's amazing. God is real. But they have to see it from you lived out and modeled. I want to do a little illustration. Bring the chairs out, guys. We're over here. Bring these chairs out. Um, Bruce Wilkinson did a study where he calls it the three chairs. And it's really families. He says these three chairs represent families. There's family number one and chair number one. And that represents a Christian family who's really living it. The parents are really living it. In fact, the kids get to see them as they're growing up or as teenagers. They see that church is a priority. It really is. And then they see that their parents, you know, pray together at times and, and they're reading God's word and they see a dad, you know, reading God's word, writing down a few things, praying. And they see that their parents give that first 10% back to God and they see that and they see that that's really important and, and then the parent just prays for them about things going on in their life and you see what happens is the kids see this is real, God is real. I see him working in our family. I see him fulfilling his promises. I see that we put God first and honor him. And the Bible says, as we said last week, God, God honors those who honor him. That honor unlocks the blessings of God in your life. So your kids, one of the greatest blessings is your kids can see that God is real, that he cares about you. So that's chair number one, family number one. Chair number two, family number two is a Christian family. They're Christians, but they're not really living it. And their kids are growing up in a home where church is not really a priority. I mean, they say that we love God, and we're Christians, and, and, but they don't really make church a priority. And being connected to other believers is not that big of a priority. And the kids never really see them spending time with God or praying. They never really get to see God work in their life. They know their parents don't really tithe and put God first in their finances. They talk about putting God first, but never really happens. It's a Christian family, but they're not really living it. They're not really honoring God. And then there's a third chair, a third family, and that's a non-Christian family. May not even believe in God, certainly don't go to church. God's just not part of their life at all, and kids growing up in that family. But here's the amazing thing that he found out in this study. Children growing up in first chair families where the parents are really living for God, they don't have it all together, they're certainly imperfect, and when they make mistakes, they say, you know, please forgive me to their kids. I blew it there, you know? But kids growing up in these first chair families, almost all those kids come to Christ and follow Christ. Why? Because they see that it's real. It's the real thing. They see God's real, it's not a question, he's real, he works in our lives. Almost all those kids grow up, it's like 90 something percent. But then, 
and second chair families where they're Christians, but the kids don't really get to see it, almost no of those kids grow up to follow Jesus. Almost all of them just fall away. And many, God's not even real. No such thing as God. And they reject God and Christ almost completely. Almost all of those kids. Why? Because they didn't see that God is real. Just something parents talk about. Something that we do. Just a tradition or it's not real. And here's the amazing thing. This is the most surprising. Kids growing up in non-Christian families where maybe they don't even believe in God and they never think about church. Like twice as many of those kids grow up to follow Jesus and come to know Christ as ones in second chair families. Isn't that amazing? Here's the point. It is dangerous to be a Christian but not honoring God. It's dangerous for your kids. It's destructive for your kids. You know what Jesus said? He said, they didn't honor me so I couldn't do those miracles I wanted to do. And God says, I will honor those who honor me, but I'll despise those who despise me, who dishonor me. It's dangerous to be a Christian, but not living it for your kids. And all that just makes sense, because that's what the Bible says. So Woodland Church, I want you to stand. And if you're a parent, I want to just pray for you, for God's strength, because it's tough to be a parent today. And I know you love your kids, and you're doing so many amazing things. But the number one thing you can do is honor God first in your family. It's the number one thing you can do. And there were many times that Chris and I had to recommit to God. You know, wow, we're really slacking in this area. And to recommit to God. God, we want our kids to know it's real. We want our kids to know that you're real. And maybe that's what you need to do today. Dear God, I come before you and I just pray for parents. I know it's overwhelming. And I know that we all make mistakes. Or sometimes we feel like we're not doing anything right. Sometimes we're trying with all of our hearts, we're following you with all our hearts, and yet our kids go the wrong direction, and it's painful to watch. I pray for those parents right now that you'd help them not give up. And Lord, not blame, and not think if we just did this or just did that. Lord, if they live for you, then, you know, it's every kid has a choice. But Lord, I also know, I also know that so many times, if we don't live it, it's gonna cause pain and problems for our kids. They won't see that you're real. And so, Lord, I just pray for every one of us, every parent here that you would help us, honor you first in our families. Give us the strength to do that. Give us your power to do that. We want to, Lord. And then, Lord, I pray for all of our children, teenagers, growing up in this crazy culture that you would just help them fall in love with you, Jesus, and grow in you, become all that you call them to be. Let them know how real you are in their life. Work in their hearts. And Lord, I especially pray for single parents today. Lord, I don't know how they do it, but Lord, I know that you love them so much and you're there's a special place in your heart for them and you're holding them up. Keep doing that, Lord Jesus. Give them encouragement. And I pray that you would continue to bless our preschool, children's, and student ministry. Help us continue to put that priority on it to honor these kids that need it so desperately so that they can honor you and change the world. Help us keep raising up this next generation to fall in love with you and to make a difference 
and to be world changers. Lord, we thank you for your love, and I pray for those who've never received you right now. They've never really honored you by accepting you. They've never really come to you as a little child, humbly admitting they need your forgiveness and salvation, and they need you to hold them and take them to heaven one day, that they would pray this prayer silently in their heart. Dear Jesus Christ, I need you. I admit I need you to forgive me of my sins. I admit I can't make it to heaven on my own. I accept your free gift of salvation and heaven one day. I wanna honor you first in my life. Please give me the strength to do that and be the Lord of my life. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Amen. Thank the Lord for who he is and what he does. I'm so grateful that his mercies never end. And maybe, you know, you feel like you've made a lot of mistakes and your kids are out there now and you wish you could do it over again. You know, God is so gracious. God is so merciful. You keep praying for them. You keep trying to connect with them. You keep loving them. Once you're a parent, you're always a parent. You're always their parent. And so just turn to the Lord for his grace. He loves you so much. And I want us to honor him with our song right now. You know, we always sing as we go out, and we got the big fall festival going. It's just, I love Woodland Church because we teach the truth of God's word in love, and we have so much fun. Church should be the most fun you experience all week. It also ought to be the most challenging place you go all week. And so we're going to have a lot of fun today, celebrating. And, but first, we're going to sing and honor God. God honors those who honor him. And when you sing... Think about this. Lord, I'm singing to you, and I mean it, so I'm gonna go out and live it so that this song becomes real in my life because he's the only one that deserves all the honor and all the praise, for he is God. I wish we had a sign up here that says, live the message, live the sermon, live the sermon. That's the only way it's worth anything. But when you live it, it's worth so much, it changes your life. Let's sing all praise, all honor, all glory to God because he's alive, right? Let's praise the Lord. Hey church, thanks for listening to the Woodlands Church with Carrie Shook podcast. By listening, we hope that you're encouraged wherever you are. If you haven't already, we'd love for you to subscribe to our podcast so that you can get the latest messages each week. For more information on Woodlands Church, check out the description for a link to our website and how to connect with us. We hope you have a great week.